Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. And joining me, our co-host, Aubrey Sampson. This is a fantastic episode that we Ooh. have for you today with Anne Kurtz Kernian. I really yeah. like the things she has to say. And I know listeners, uh, whether you're new here to the podcast, if this is your first time listening or you've been around for a while, you are going to enjoy the wisdom that she has for us. She truly is bringing hope in our uh, pain. That's right. She has a very um, unique trade. She is the founder of an inspirational greeting card company, Cards by Anne. So you might you might know her. It's pretty well-known. You may know her from that. She's also an international lecturer and retreat leader and holds a master's in theology from Duquesne University. Um, and we brought her on to talk about some spiritual practices that you can use for caring for your mind, body, and soul, which is actually the most recently released book that she has called Spiritual Practices for the Brain. And um, we thought this was so appropriate as everybody's trying to figure out practical ways uh, for us to to step into um, you know, not just learning verses or not just, you know, understanding God's word and God's promises right. for our pain, but also how do we now use some of the common grace that God has given us, you know, the mm-hmm. mind-body connection on how we can, you know, sort through trauma, how we can sort through anxiety and depression, and uh, how we can how we can care for the whole person. Yeah, she has so much wisdom. So good. Hey, before we listen to her conversation with you, Davey, I would like to read a review that we got on Apple Podcasts. You ready for this one? All right. Yeah. Okay. It says, so good. I just started listening to the Nothing is Wasted podcast a few weeks ago as it was recommended to me by a friend in our small group. She'd tell you she hasn't missed an episode since she started listening a while back, too. I have really enjoyed the conversations on grief, especially since my fiance has walked through a lot of loss the last few years. It's been nice to feel like we weren't the only ones feeling alone at times. I highly recommend you to check this podcast out. You won't be disappointed. And then there's a PS, Dave. Are you ready for this one? <laughs> okay. She says, if you don't like long introductions, I would skip the beginning of the podcast. Oh. Sometimes the intros are a bit long and I want to jump into the speaker and meaty info. Whoa. So that's an honest, that's okay. an honest review. All right. Well, you know, that, I guess she doesn't want to hear from us at all, Aubrey. What's our <laughs> What's our time right now on this intro? We should probably cut this short. We need Let's to get cut to the it, interview don't right we? Now. Yep. There's, Yep, that's <laughs> no, the meaty part, Davey. You know, it's interesting, in, in all seriousness, this, I mean, you know this, Aubrey, this was a, an intentional shift we made as a team. We made we came yep. to the conclusion, this, you know, the same conclusion. We said, wow, we are spending a lot of time on the intro. We're not talking about a lot of, you know, it's nice to have our personalities and, and inject that into this. We want sure. listeners for you to feel like you know us, and, and we want to feel like we know you. That's why we want to get your feedback, and we want to get you know, your, uh, reviews and we want you to write in and we want you to comment. We want you to share all that kind of stuff. Cause we want to get to know you as our community. But, um, we also know that you're coming here and you're in a lot of times you're in a lot of crisis. You need some help and, right, and right. you're looking for answers and you're looking for hope. So we also made that intentional shift where we said, Hey, let's, let's go ahead and dive into the, the meat of this material. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if you've noticed recently, we've shifted most of our commentary to the very end afterwards. And so that yeah. Aubrey and I can kind of dissect the conversation a little bit more and we can give a little bit more uh, insight from our own experience um, to, to, to add some color to these. So we appreciate the feedback. I mean, we always want honest feedback. 
and uh, we'll keep keep reviewing and rating the podcast. Keep telling us what you like. And if you like to hear Aubrey and I help our ego right now a little bit and just seriously, we might need it a little bit. Just let us know. Right. You enjoy some of the insights that we have to pull too from everything. And so. if you like what we have to say, <laughs> stick around after because we're going to have some commentary after this interview with the one and only Ann Kurtz Kernian. And what an honor to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Davey. Well, I want to talk um, about something that you have, man, you've been researching this for a long time. It's something we really, really enjoy talking about on the Nothing is Wasted podcast and Nothing is Wasted Ministries. And that is some of the spiritual practices and rhythms that help us to be healthy and whole as individuals from an emotional and mental and spiritual standpoint. Before we dive into that, I'd love to hear just a little bit about you right now. What do you do? What's life like? And, uh, and then we'll kind of jump back and take a little journey uh, with you and what you've been doing. Sure. Well, I um, actually am the owner and artist of an inspirational greeting card company, Cards by Anne. I've been doing that for 38 years. I am do calligraphy and artwork, and um, cardsbyanne.com is where I've been selling the cards, and my employees do most of the heavy lifting. I just kind of create the cards, and usually I'm running around the country giving talks and workshops. My kind of second layer, which I absolutely love, is being a speaker, re- retreat leader, pre- presenter at conferences, and com- combining three areas. Is, um, mm. neuroscience, spirituality, and positive psychology. I have degrees in all of those wow. or a certificate, graduate certificate. And what I love is that there's this amazing overlap of those three areas. You know, what our yep. spiritual practices, spiritual traditions tell us, what neuroscience science research is saying is healthy for our brains and our bodies, and then positive psychology. It, it lifts our emotions. Mm. It allows us to be better in communication with relationships. So it's this wonderful overlay that yeah. I can kind of bring in these areas. So it's it's a great joy to be able to share these with other people. This is one of my favorite things to talk about because I love that kind of almost a Venn diagram where mm-hmm. the, the convergence mm-hmm. of those three things. Uh, because you know, one of the things that we talk about quite a bit at Nothing Is Wasted is that when you look at science, science shouldn't be something that causes you to go, oh, that's why there's there's no God. That's why God doesn't exist because right, of science. Right, right. Science mm-hmm. should cause us to go, oh, that's how God did it. That's yeah. how he constructed these things to work. That's the, okay. I understand now. And so it should cause us to even even terminate in worship and then recognizing we should fall into the rhythms of how God created us to work. And, and I love the convergence mm-hmm. of these things because this is so imperative um, as Jesus is call, calling us into life with him. Um, how did you get into this? How did, I mean, what began to go well, yeah. where you're like, man, I, I just really want to explore these concepts. Well, you know, when I was in fifth grade, I wanted to be a missionary. And so, and I was always really drawn to math and science. I liked doing that as a kid and in high school, and I got a scholarship for engineering in college. So I went to college thinking I'm going to get an engineering degree to serve people in Latin America. I met Mm. my husband six months before I was to graduate, fell in love, didn't know what to do, really prayed about it. And my priest, um, I went to him and said, what do I do? And he said, God wants you to be happy. So I pivoted. Mm. 
I had this science degree then, but I pivoted and said, well, I really love theology. And if I'm going to stay in the United States, I really want to go where my heart is. Yeah. I'd read 50 books in theology when I was in college studying engineering. So I really probably should have figured it out at that <laughs> point that engineering probably wasn't where my heart was. But anyway, I have this background in science. And I've been studying neuroscience since 2008 because our son got his PhD in that, um, just recently finished it in, in an ancillary area like that. So anyway, and then when I was looking at neuroscience research, after I got my degree in theology, I taught both sciences and theology in a local college, two local colleges in Pittsburgh. And then um, I saw how much positive psychology kind of weaved its way into neuroscience and spirituality. So I wanted to get another graduate degree in that as well. So wow. so really what um, what I see is this incredible, miraculous, miraculous interweaving of these disciplines that often the straight science researchers or the straight theologians or the straight positive psychologies don't don't see how much they're interrelated and how, like you said, like there's this, if you stay in your lane, you say, oh, well, science, you know, so shows this, but you see it weaving beautifully. Mm. And, you know, you just see the awesome, awesome creation that we have and you have more and more appreciation for God's hand and everything. It's wow. amazing. Wow. It's like, you know, all truth is God's truth, right? It's this, anything sure, that is true, yeah. you know, and, and there's mm -hmm. something that resonates mm -hmm. in our spirit with this idea of true. It's like, you know, this mm -hmm. is true. It's just like, wow, I, I, yeah. I sense that, that res when I read that, that really resonates with something inside of me. I mean, scripture says that he has written his word on our heart and that truth, yes. regardless of where you've heard it from, the underpinning of that, right? The, the undergirding mm -hmm. of it is, mm -hmm. is God's mm -hmm. truth. And uh, that's yeah. what it sounds like. You've found kind of this, this happy convergence of all of those things in these fields. Yeah. And it is, um, these are little tools too, that can really have a huge impact on our lives yeah. and that, you know, scientific research shows that now, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I believed, you know, from my spiritual tradition, from my spiritual practices that sure, yeah, these work, but to see, you know, scientific researchers prove that yes, gratitude changes our brains. It makes our, our gray matter function better. It makes our minds healthier. You know, some of the happiest people I know and the, the most devout, you know, love, Christians I know are people who practice gratitude every day. One of the practices that I talk about, but now researchers in major universities prove that. Well, I, you know, we may not need that proof, but boy, it is great to have it. Yeah. As a scientist myself, as someone trained in science, I love, because I think the other pieces that we can also be motivated by this too, mm -hmm. when we know that, okay, yeah, I want to practice gratitude perhaps as, as part of my spiritual practice. But when I also know that this is going to improve my relationships and it's also going to keep my right. brain healthy into my 80s and 90s, how much more positive reinforcement do motivation yeah. do we need to then start? So sometimes yeah. you need that little extra motivation. Oh, that's so good. You know, especially today, uh, we are seeing more than ever, I feel like a deterioration of mental and emotional health. You know, yes. I mean, we've seen it over the, this been a, this been a uh, 15 years ago or so mental, emotional health was not something that was in vogue. It wasn't a, it wasn't a conversation mm -hmm. that was being had as much as, as it is now. And, mm -hmm. but over the past 15 years, it's definitely something that's being talked about, but particularly over the last year, 18 months with right. the pandemic, it's something that is very prominent right now on all of our minds because we're all experiencing um, some of the devastation that can happen in our own hearts and our own minds 
with isolation yeah. and with, you know, all the different factors that can lead to, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly the statistics that I read the other day, but there was definitely a massive uptick in um, reports of, of anxiety and depression over the past 18 yeah. months. Yeah. And so some yeah. of the practices that you're going to talk to us about today are things that you can put in place preemptively, but also in the process of when you feel uh, like your mental and emotional health is, is waning. Um, right. You've written this book called Spiritual Practices for the Brain. And I want to talk mm -hmm. about some of those spiritual practices. But mm -hmm. for you, this has become very personal over the past 18 yes. months. Talk to me about <laughs> oh, this man. a little bit. Okay. On March 23rd, 2020. So that's, um, you know, just about a year ago or so, a little over a year ago, I came down with COVID and um, it was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I am an athlete. I was a division one athlete when I was in college. I um, keep, I work out an hour a day. I'm a vegetarian. I'm very careful with what I eat. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be protected. You know, about a week or so before that I had heard about COVID. I thought, oh, I should be pretty good. Well, it hit me hard. And I was in bed for three weeks. I lost my sense of taste and smell, which is still not fully recovered. I had more pain in, than I ever thought. Several nights, in fact, I was not sure I was going to wake up the next morning. I thought, you know, God, I guess it's about time. I guess this is my time. I've done what you've asked me to do on wow. earth, and here we go. Um, we have three children and six grandchildren. I didn't want to leave them. I have a loving husband who was taking care of me, but I was not sure. And because it was so early in the pandemic, they didn't want to test me because I had nothing in my lungs for two and a half weeks. So finally, I got a test. And of course, it was positive. And I could not get back to my usual workouts, quote unquote, usual for two months. Um, and I'm back. My energy's back now. Um, still have a little bit of loss of taste and smell, but I'm grateful for what I have. But, you know, it really, you know, during this time, Davey, I was, you know, thinking, okay, I'm t I teach about gratitude. I teach about self-compassion. I teach about getting out in nature. I teach about these practices. I really need to rededicate myself. So every day, laying in bed, you know, my husband trying to see if I could, he could do anything to help me. I had a fever for 11 days, wow. just miserable. I just kept thinking, what can I be grateful for? Because one of the phrases I say all the time is be grateful in a situation, not for a situation. Mm. So I'm not grateful for this situation, but in this situation. So I was grateful I had a loving husband taking care of me. I was grateful I had a warm bed, a roof over my head. I had still had, you know, my employees working on my greeting card business, it wasn't falling, falling apart, you know, all these things I could be grateful for in this situation. It really helped keep maintain my positivity. Um, you know, the other piece is self compassion, being compassionate mm. towards ourselves, how would we treat ourselves? How would we treat a good friend? And are we treating ourselves like that? You know, in Matthew, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. But sometimes we forget that yourself part. And I was really kind of getting upset with myself that I emails were still stacking up and I was not doing my, I was in graduate school at the time too. And really try, I was, would prop my computer up sideways so I could lay in bed and try to type sideways, trying to work on papers when my head was pounding. And, but I was really thinking, what would I tell a good friend? I would tell her, write to your professor and tell them you're not feeling well. Mm. Um, don't worry about the emails, you know, like let them pile up and you would never expect a, a good friend to do what you're expecting yourself to do. Right. So that really helped me too. Um, another piece was when I could finally sit up in a chair, 
is to just look at nature outside. We know that the practice of just appreciating God's creation does wonders for our stress levels, for our emotional happiness. Even if it's just pictures, I would just look at my computer pictures and try to watch a documentary, even for five minutes, that we know that those images really feed us and make us feel much better, um, really reduce and even like boost our immune systems if we can be just listening to the wind. Um, And finally, the other piece is just taking deep breaths, knowing we're in God's presence at every moment, just continuing to remind myself that God was with me through it and that I wasn't alone. Of course, that my family and, you know, neighbors were bringing soup, et cetera, but always being aware that God was right with me through it all. And, And those practices really helped me just kind of keep walking through each hour of each day when I was in such pain. Yeah. Wow. So I'd love to take a deep dive into each one of these four practices. Sure. We kind of did a flyover Mm -hmm. just now of how you had to implement these during this time where, you know, in the pandemic, you know, where you were suffering personally from, from COVID. But if we take them all each individually, gratitude and practicing gratitude, I Mm -hmm. love that phrase that you said Mm -hmm. that you can be Mm -hmm. grateful in a circumstance. You don't necessarily have to be grateful for a circumstance. Talk to us a little bit about how gratitude even does a kind of rewiring of your brain to be able to, to, you know, enhance your mental and emotional health. Well, the practice of gratitude winds up crowding out complaints. You know, so what we actually do, if we practice gratitude regularly, and I often talk about frequency is more important than duration. It's more important to rewire our brain to make sure that we're doing a practice frequently. So not saving up 30 minutes on Sunday to practice gratitude, but doing, you know, five minutes every day That's to good. practice gratitude and, and also writing things down. It doesn't have to be every day, but, um, and also linking that practice to something you do every day. And I talk about Mm. this when I talk about the breath practice too. So every morning when I grind my coffee beans, I make that a link to what three things, what three new things am I grateful for today? And Mm. I try to think of brand new things, not repeating the same thing, because then it just becomes a rote practice. But what new things am I grateful for today? And then when I know I need to come up with three new things every day throughout the day, I'm looking for new things to be grateful for. And again, that is rewiring your brain to, again, just be noticing grateful pieces in our lives all the time. Grateful people, gifts God has showered upon us. We are getting gifts all day long showered upon us yeah. if we just keep our eyes open. And again, this um, the prefrontal cortex sits, sits behind our forehead. And to keep that, that, that's like where all of our planning and judgment and emotional regulation occurs. Yeah. If we keep that area of our brain healthy, we wind up allowing our brains to stay more cognitively active throughout our lives so that memories memories are restored are, um, are we, we don't lose them right. we keep them they're maintained so we really know that these practice this practice of gratitude but linking it to something because sometimes it's just hard to remember we right. have a lot of things going on in our daily lives we've got kids to watch and you know jobs to do and now with the pandemic there's a million other responsibilities because kids aren't in school full-time maybe yeah. 
maybe yeah. where you live. So, so, you know, just linking it to something, maybe it's folding laundry or doing the dishes or whatever it is, sitting at a stop sign, whatever it is, taking time frequently throughout the day. And part of it is one of my practices is writing thank you notes. Oh, yeah. um, of course, I have a greeting card company, so I have a <laughs> lot, of, a lot, lot. <laughs> of cards around, but, um, but, but physically every month, at least once a month, I write a note to someone to thank them for their presence in my life, for for something little they might not even thought was important to me, but it could be an old teacher that I write, whatever it is, I write down and we know that embedding, um, you know, writing down things mm -hmm. actually embeds into our brains even more so than just thinking about them right. or, or, pre or saying them. So that's gratitude. That's um, so and that's kind of like the practice of gratitude. It's such a key one yeah. um, for all of us. That's awesome. And you can really do that throughout difficult times. It doesn't have to be, right. you know, um, joy does not make us grateful. Gratitude makes us joyful. Oh, that's good. Wow. Joy does not really make important. us grateful. Gratitude. Right. Gratitude makes us, makes us joyful. joyful. Wow, I love that. You know, I love this. I love this concept of, of you know, I mean, I notice that when I take some time and I sit down and write a thank you note or just a handwritten note to somebody, it's doing so mm -hmm. many things, right? It's it's causing me to pause. You know, here mm -hmm. I am, normally in my day, I'm just one thing to the next, not a lot of margin, and so because of mm -hmm. that, not a lot of mindfulness. But to mm -hmm. actually sit down and write out, you know, not even firing an email. I mean, the email's fine, right? No, but to no. to write it out, handwritten note to somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful mm -hmm. for you. It does mm -hmm. something to my psyche. It almost like resets right. uh, mm -hmm. my energy levels in some ways. It resets mm -hmm. my focus mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of just making the connection right now because you've said yeah. it, but this is, this is gratitude and this is what's happening right. here. Uh, yeah. So I love, I love that. I also yeah. love what you said about linking it to something that is a habit for you every day. Mm -hmm. That's kind of on automation. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I set my coffee pot every night. That could be a very mm -hmm. easy time for me to, when I'm grinding the beans, just, it triggers it. It's like the whole, mm -hmm. the Charles Duhigg power of habit idea, yes, you exactly. know, where you, yes. you find mm -hmm. the trigger. What's the trigger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let me use that trigger as a leverage point to create a new mm -hmm. habit inside of me. And if you do that over and over and over and over, it's going to have you oh. know, compounding effects for your mental Absolutely. health. Absolutely. And you'll always remember, and then you wind up linking it, you know, every time if you can just choose one practice mm -hmm. and do it, but then maybe in a year or two, or you'd say, oh, I'm going to also do it when I'm washing dishes, yeah. you know, or when I'm walking the dog or, but Charles Duhigg, yeah, in the power of habit, he talks about that, that linking, then we really remember because we, if we're just trying to remember, just trying, you know, every morning we have a million things to do when we wake up in the day, but having that link to something we do allows us to remember. That's awesome. Okay. Let's move to self-compassion. Uh, this is, I'll be honest with you over the past year, this is kind of a new term for me. I have a friend who he's a, mm. he's also a preacher and we are both, uh, teaching mm -hmm. pastors at a church and he talks a lot about this, this idea of self-compassion. Yes. And I had to first go, what yeah. do you mean by that? So unpack that a little bit for me. Mm -hmm. People often think self-compassion is self-esteem, and that's not what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. And it also, sometimes when I give talks to groups, people kind of shake their heads and say, no, I'm supposed to be a servant. I'm not supposed to be, you know, thinking about myself right. first. 
here's my my um, real sense of the whole issue is that if we aren't filling our wells, we do not have anything to give. That's good, yeah. So if we aren't taking care of ourselves and also showing others how to take care of themselves by modeling how we do that, perhaps yeah. saying no sometimes because we're overbooked, we're overscheduled. Um, you know, it's really great for kids to see this or just friends or, you know, parents, whoever it is. But, you know, self-compassion is, like I said, in Matthew, we see Jesus saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. You know, when I grew up in my um, Catholic schools for 12 years, I learned all all about the love your neighbor neighbor part, but I never really heard anything about love yourself. Yeah. And it's just the sense of treating yourself like you would a friend or a loved one. And then also foregoing perfectionism. Mm. You know, I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I grew up wanting to get A pluses in school, be the varsity captain, you know, the whole thing all down the line. And finally in my 40s, I realized it was an ex exhausting way to try to live. It took, I'm a real slow learner, Davy. It took me, four, you know, three and a half, four decades to finally say, okay, this ain't working out so mm. well. And, you know, just giving yourself a break like you would like your friends, you know, yeah. um, be who you are and be that well, Francis de Sales says, you know, be yourself. And we're all every single one of us is imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. You were, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things we wish we hadn't said. We're going to, you know, do things we wish we hadn't done, but just be gentle with yourself. Right. And that also creates this ease. And it really helped me. You know, I've, I had my knee operated on a couple of years ago. And when I was recovering from that too, I kept saying, you know, just take a deep breath in yep. and, and be gentle with yourself as you're going, because then I can serve others better. I have more energy. We know that people who are self-compassionate also are more motivated. Mm. And when you have more motivation, you can also help others. And my whole life really is to be of service to others. That's what I've, I started thinking about when I was in fifth grade and started collecting quotes and wanting to be a missionary. Yeah. How do I serve best? But I really have to take care of myself too, if I'm going to serve well. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I remember having this conversation with my friend that I mentioned earlier, and that was one of the things he said. He said, you know, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, you can't properly love other people unless you, you cannot properly have peace with other people unless you have peace with yourself. And peace right. with yourself ultimately right. comes from peace with God. And exactly. you seeing yeah. yourself the way that God sees you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're a child of his right. and your identity is rested in him, not in your performance, not what you can do, but by what right. Jesus has already done for us on the cross. Then we can live out of that place and it helps us right. to not just have compassion mm -hmm. for ourselves, but then to have compassion for other people. I've seen that, that the adverse is true that most of the time people who mm -hmm. don't have compassion for themselves, they also don't demonstrate compassion toward others. Exactly. Yeah. And the more we understand ourselves and take some, give ourselves a break, the more we practice that for ourselves, the more it's so much easier just to say, you know what, they're just having a hard day. Yeah. Like we have a hard day right. sometimes. You're right. It's exactly. And you know, it's tough being around perfectionists because they're, they're so hard on themselves that it makes it difficult to be around them. And we're all yeah. imperfect. So, right. let, and you said, like you said, God made us. So let's rejoice in the creation we are and not reject that gift and say, mm. actually, I'm not as good as I should be. God. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, I already know that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Oh. Well, I really love this next one, just connecting with nature. You know, I think that, oh, yeah. um, you know, I think yeah. in, some, in some camps, they can kind of look at this and you, you like go, wait a minute, you know, are we talking about tree hugging or what's the, you know, 
Talk to mm. me about why this is so important for us to connect with nature. I mean, this is God's creation. Why should yeah, we? it is. Uh, what does this look like to, as an act of worship that also fills mm-hmm. us up so that we can be overflowing mm-hmm. onto other people when we connect with nature? Right. Yeah. There's um, there's amazing research in the scientific community, too, about this. Besides, you know, as someone who studied theology, I've always loved looking at the pieces in the gospel that talk about, you know, the the mountains are singing and yeah. the, you know, hills are singing, et cetera. And, um, you know, Job has a saying about creation. Um, you know, there's just so many parts of the Bible that talk about God's creation. And what I love now is that all these scientific studies, in fact, a recent one just in October 2020 from the University of California, San Francisco, talks about going out on awe walks A-W-E walks for 15 Mm. minutes a day. It doesn't have to be every day, but if you do an awe walk, and I really started practicing this after I heard about it, and even before that, I knew how important um, nature walks are, but just go out and leave your phone somewhere else or make sure you put it on silence and just look, just observe, look at the tree bark, look at the different color leaves, look at how the light hits, you know, hits the ground. You can even just sit at your window if you don't, if it's a bad day and you just can watch raindrops fall, but just taking the time to observe the world Mm. is full of wonder. God gave us these gifts and we're not even accepting them, you know? And, um, and so all this research shows how much, again, Going into nature, the Japanese have a name called, it's called Shinrin-yoku, which means forest bathing. Get out and bathe yourself, and they see depressive symptoms go away, anxiety yeah. decreases. Um, you know, you're, there's actually what they call um, killer, natural killer cells in our, in our immune systems that ramp up and, and boost our immunity when we go out into nature. So there's all these healthy benefits too. But, you know, for me, it's a primary spiritual practice. You know, yeah. I want to be outside and I want to, you know, give God the gratitude and the thankfulness for these amazing creation um, experiences that we can have every single day if we just take a moment or two to do yeah. that. That's great. That's great. So it kind of it kind of spills over into that other, you know, that gratitude bucket in exactly. some ways by, yes. by doing this. Yeah. What mm-hmm. I love about nature and you know I, I I feel it too. I can connect with it. I mean tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna be preaching at a prayer breakfast. Um and then right after that I'm gonna I'm gonna just be out doing yard work for the rest of the day. It's gonna be such a mm-hmm. massive recoup mm-hmm. for me after I've expended myself in that. And mm-hmm. and to me it feels like, you know, I'm really connecting with Jesus used so many metaphors of agriculture, of nature. Yes. And when mm-hmm. I get out into nature, it reminds me of kind of the slow methodical rhythms of Jesus that, that take Mm -hmm. me out of this striving, stressful mentality, you know, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. I can just, I can trust the natural cycles and the natural rhythms of how God set our world up to, to be. And, um, and there's something about connecting with that and, and, and learning that and seeing the metaphors of that, that really, it, it ignites my theology side and ignites my mm-hmm. emotional side is one of my mental and emotional health as well. And I, I, mm-hmm. just, I right. just love that practice of being out in nature. And, you know, when you think about it, Davey, you know, our ancestors, the majority of human beings lived way before the Industrial Revolution. Mm. And they were outside all the time. They were hunting, mm-hmm. gathering, planting. Um, and so our, our brains are built 
to appreciate and be comfortable and be soothed by nature. And we're kind of denying our natural, you know, how God made us again, because if, if we just stay indoors all the time, that there is something that's just so uplifting about being around nature. And I'm really a four seasons girl. I love snowshoeing Mm -hmm. and in the (laughs) woods and I'll take the summer and the sun and the spring and the fall, you know, the woods in the fall are just spectacular in Pennsylvania. But you know, there's these rhythms of nature too, that, that they're like the rhythms of life. You know, they're, you know, autumn time, you know, is a time when things are dying and dying is a natural part of living. And so we kind of learn then God's time. We kind of learn lessons, even I, you know, I could theologize yeah. about the seasons because really when we, when we appreciate nature, we also see that, you know, life, death and rebirth and right. it's coming. And so we're coming in into all the different seasons then and how God teaches us through those. And it really is, you know, a remarkable way to, um, you know, my fourth practice that I, that I talk about often is the breath, just taking deep breaths too. And just appreciating, like you said, slowing down and not just 15 minutes. That's it. Just 15 minutes. That's so good. We've been talking a lot lately about how you can partner with us as a ministry as we help people partner with God to take back their story. We wanted to take an opportunity to let some people who have been impacted by the ministry of Nothing Is Wasted share their testimony. Listen to this. In 2020, and especially toward the end of the year, I found myself responding to a variety of hard circumstances with such heavy emotion that crippled me in fear. And that scared me because I've seen this played out throughout my life. So I was really desperate and I didn't know where to turn for help. I was in a fragile and dark place. So my husband and I began to pray and wait for God to bring the best counsel into my life. A few days later, an email from Nothing Is Wasted showed up in my inbox describing the pain to purpose counseling course and how to connect with someone about this. Two days later, I'm having a Zoom chat with Ken Roberts. Then he placed me with a wonderful coaching guide, Teresa Glantz. Although her story is different, she is able to coach me with great insight and care and from her own painful experience. As our pain and healing in layers is somewhat the same. By my coach asking me the right questions and being alert to my responses, God has absolutely used Teresa in leading me to a few aha moments that I can own and between me and God privately, it has absolutely had a lasting effect. I know this continues to be a process and I have a lot more to unpack, but I'm learning so much and I look forward to connecting more dots to see how this pain will absolutely give lasting purpose. Thank you so much for your ministry. I am a grateful receiver. If this testimony moved you or you've been positively impacted by the ministry of Nothing Is Wasted and you want to join us on this crusade to help people partner with God to take back their story, head over to nothingiswasted.com slash donate and make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash donate.
Well, before we mm-hmm. before we jump into that fourth um, practice, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to lean in a little bit on the nature thing and 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 see if you have any insight. And we've got a lot of parents who are listening to this too. Mm-hmm. A lot of young kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. My kids right now, as we are recording this, they are outside playing mm-hmm. because of you know they're not sitting in front of a video game playing. They're not watching right. TV mm-hmm. because we're really. Mm-hmm very adamant mm-hmm. about get them outside, even no matter what the mm-hmm. weather is, let's get them outside. Let's get them interacting with nature. How mm-hmm. do you have any insight into especially young childhood development, how important this is for their mental and emotional health? One of the great things about being with little children outdoors is how much they open mm-hmm. our eyes. Um, I have grandchildren from age eight all the way down to not even one year old, six of them. And, you know, the first time they see a snowfall, the joy and the <laughs> yep. excitement that's in their eyes, you know, or the first time they get to wa- get, quote unquote, get to walk in the rain without an umbrella and splash in puddles, you know, just the joy and delight that they show when they experience these things in nature that we have, oh, you know, 20, 30 years of life, 40 years of life, we say, oh, you know, it's just another rainfall. But to them, it's this brand new experience. So it really helps us in opening our eyes to everything, but also then children then can, we can teach them, these are all God's gifts again. You know, this is another way that they can experience the love of God in their lives. Oh, look, there's, you know, each snowflake is different. I remember um, collecting snowflakes with my children when they were little and showing them, is this amazing? It's like each one of us, that God created each one of us uniquely. And look at each of these these snowflakes or each leaf or whatever it is, the sticks on the ground yeah. even, you know, the, and also, you know, we can teach kids about birth and life and rebirth. There's so many lessons that we can link into our spiritual lives right. from the natural world. And again, just continuing to remind kids, you know, this is all, these are all gifts from God, Yeah, all gifts from God. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. It really ignites their creativity, their imagination, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if there's much much, much of a better way for us to tap into the image of God in each one of us, the Imago Dei, mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. than exercising creativity. You know, that's one of the things that God right, right. called us mm-hmm. into as humankind, and that is to mm-hmm. partner with Him in the mm-hmm. creation process, and then, you know, especially post cross and resurrection, the redeeming process of creation. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. to be able to expose our kids to that at an early age and then let that ignite their creativity Mm -hmm. and their sense of imagination. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And in fact, one of my chapters in my book is just on creativity and how we can nurture that because it's such an, you know, each of us is creative. Each of us has been given gifts from God to be creative. It may just be the way you, you know, link people to one another. You may not be a technical artist, but you're an artist somehow, you know, there, there, there are, we are all God's work of art. That's you know clearly in the Bible, and so we should really keep using those gifts to, for God's glory and for the good of all of our friends and family and communities. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so this last practice that you uh, are espousing in this, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a practice of, of breath or mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier the presence of God. Unpack this whole right, um, yeah, this whole practice for us. 
Well, you know, the word breath is the same word as spirit in many languages. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Jewish tradition, the Christian tradition, we have ruah in the Hebrew language means breath and spirit mm-hmm. and pneuma in the um, Greek and Latin, um, you know, sperare in Latin. You know, so breath and spirit are often one and the same. Right. So I think about just if we're conscious of our breath, we're conscious of the spirit within us, guiding us, nurturing us, comforting us. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, it's a way, you know, like, it's just, it's right here, right inside of us. So with each breath, I often teach about breath practices and how we're bringing in God's love and we're resting in God's peace as we exhale. We inhale God's love, we exhale God's peace. And I talk about how the, there's a couple of, there's great research lately in how much the breath is important and that breathing in through our nostrils is key mm. for focus, for maintaining mental agility, um, keeping the noradrenaline balanced properly in our brains and bodies, but also If we are under stress, the best thing we can do is lengthen our exhalations because lengthening our exhalations allows what we call the parasympathetic system, the system that's the rest and digest system, to really ramp up. And so we're really relaxing. If we're breathing real fast, we are getting into the fight and flight, and that's when we get stressed and things go haywire, and we may say and do things. We will react instead of respond to people. So the breath is this amazing tool that we link both our spirituality, you know, every single breath, pausing a few times a day, again, with maybe a practice every time you do a dish or Mm -hmm. turn on a light switch or go up steps. um, Think about just take a deep breath, a nice long exhalation, just to say, you know, God, you're with me. I often tell people, and I do this myself, if I'm stopped at a stoplight, instead of like tapping the wheel and wonder when's the light going to change, I just say, oh, it's a gift here. God's given me a gift of a minute or two yeah. just to take a deep breath. And I teach my grandkids this. You know, I've been teaching them that. Let's just exhale so we can relax if they're getting upset because somebody used their toy and they didn't like it. It's I mean, there's lots of reasons why kids right. might get upset. Right. But just teaching them. And then it's a little prayer practice that we can teach them as well. Yeah, that's so good. Wow. You know, the, the bulk of the people who are listening to our conversation right now, they're either in the middle of something really painful or traumatic, Mm -hmm. or they've just kind of experienced something. They're in the like post trauma phase Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's, you know, I mean, it covers the gamut of situations that people are dealing with right Mm -hmm. now. There's all different types of pain and loss and grief that are represented by the listeners of, of this podcast. What would you you know, someone who's, who's listening and going, I'm I'm hearing all this. Um, Mm -hmm. but it feels like my situation is just so overwhelming right now. How are these Mm -hmm. practices going to help me to begin to kind of put the pieces back together in my life? How Mm -hmm. are this, how Mm -hmm. is me, you know, practicing gratitude in this kind of situation? How is me practicing kind of a, a sense of the presence of God and mindfulness going to help me begin to just put the pieces back and figure out my way through this valley. What would you say if you were sitting across the table from somebody and they asked you that? And that's a great, great question. So many people are suffering and struggling right now. Um, And I think I would say one of the main pieces and what I would say is the breath perhaps being the primary practice is staying in this moment. Mm. Um, You know, we can worry about what's coming, you know, like next week, next month, next year, or, 
just thinking about the past and regretting or being sad, et cetera. But again, just kind of blocking off right now, right now. What do we have right now? What thing can I be grateful for right now? So just kind of staying in this narrow now moment where God is with us, where all life just happens in the now. Mm. And then just trying to practice that presence of God, the breath of God, just staying there because our minds will take us on a ride that we don't sign up for, right? And the train just goes and goes and goes. And so the worry and the upset, you know, continues rolling around in our heads. And that causes us to have lots of stress and anxiety. And and really those thoughts wind up increasing our pain when really if we can keep bringing it to the now, um, it, it will decrease the perception of pain. It yeah. doesn't mean that we're not going to continue grieving. It does not mean that we're going to not feel the loss, right. but it will keep us grant, you know, planted right, right in this in this narrow now. And that would be that's what I that's what I try to practice when I'm feeling overwhelmed with sadness or grief or, you know, if my kids or grandkids are struggling and you're worried about them, you know, I always talk about worry being like a rocking chair. It gives us a lot to do, but it doesn't get us anywhere. (laughs) You're just going back and forth. So, you know, and Mark Twain, or he was, it was said that Mark Twain said this, we don't know for sure, but he said, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. Mm. So um, even if it's a worry that has happened, often we are extrapolating into the future of, oh, now what's this going to be like? So just trying to bring that, those thoughts back to just what are we doing right now? And that's why the breath, uh, that's why I say it's a primary one to just try to do that. And, you know, one of the other pieces, and it's one of the chapters of my book too, is connect with others as much as possible. Mm. And that's how we also share our grief, share our burdens, share our difficulties. That's what's been so hard about the COVID times is we haven't been able to share like normal. And that is a much more difficult situation. Hopefully, as we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, that you really connect with others. That that really helps to lighten our burdens yeah. and to be able to hug people. You know, right. hopefully we're going to get there soon too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so good because I think what we have experienced is that so many people, the pain that they're dealing with is a combination of the pain of their circumstance, their trauma, their tragedy, whatever mm-hmm. they've gone through, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. secondary pain that follows from that by yeah. how they are perceiving their their trauma and then how that causes mm-hmm. them to interface with other people and with the world. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when we're yeah. not when we're not present and in the moment, when we're not operating out of this sense of uh God is with me in this. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 We can begin right. to, mm-hmm. you know, we can begin to to do things or say things out of an unhealthy spirit because of our trauma um, mm-hmm. that ultimately mm-hmm. leads to even more pain and more. Right. And it just right. kind of exactly. begins to perpetuate that. So I love that. Mm-hmm. That's what, such a mm-hmm. great insight into, yeah. you know, no matter what you've gone through, um, mm-hmm. it's important mm-hmm. to, to begin to get, get back into a place of emotional, mental and spiritual health so that right. we don't, we right. don't exacerbate the pain that we're going through. 
Yeah. And that's easy. It's, it's really easy for us to do that because as human beings, again, our evolutionary biology says, look at the difficulty, look at the net. It's a negativity bias because that's what helped our ancestors survive. But understanding that, knowing that we need to just try to focus on now, try to focus on the gifts we have in this moment, even when it's really, really, really hard. And it's, we're struggling, trying to focus on that really, really does help. Um, And it's not that second and third pain. Um, We we know that I I have a great one of the teachers in the Christian um, tradition talks about giving little glances to God all day long. Mm. So I always think about God like when I was a little girl, my mom would send myself and my brother off to school every morning walking, saying, you know, there's an angel on your shoulder. You know, so I always Hmm. had this sense of there was really an angel always uh, over here. So I always think about God being right behind my shoulder. I can glance at God all throughout the day, no matter what we're doing, if it's mundane, if it's difficult, but just, just really embedding, steeping ourselves in that sense that God is with us. That's great. And that lightens our burdens. You know, it can lighten our burdens. It may, it's not going to get rid of everything and I'm not promising the world, but, but just to minimize it and just to be able to continue putting one foot in front of the other, you know, that's sometimes all we can do. Yeah. That's so good. And where can our listeners connect with you further and just follow what you're doing? Well, my website is um, cardsbyann.com, cardsbyanne.com. I send an email out at least once a month with a little reflection and um, new designs and just re- all my retreat work and um, presentations. Sometimes I do virtual. I've been doing virtual events, of course, the past year, um, but I do retreats all over the country and also in Australia um, and give presentations. So just www cardsbyann.com. I'm also on Instagram at cardsbyann. So any of those, you can find me in my work. That's awesome. And thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I want to make sure everybody picks up Anne's book. It's called Spiritual Practices for the Brain. Um, we She dives into a lot more than what we were able to talk about and cover in this conversation. But um, I, this has been helpful for me. I know it's been helpful for our listeners. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for spending some time with us today. Thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity, Davey. Thanks so much. And I'll keep all of you in my prayers, all of you listeners and folks who are going through anything. Um, we're all in one big community. So thank you so much for allowing me to share a little bit with all of you. Wow, I am so grateful for Ann Kurtz Kernian's wisdom related to spiritual practices and how we can, you know, find God in these really tangible ways throughout our day and throughout yeah. our seasons. And um, you know, whether you're inside or outside, God's presence is there to be found. I love the things that she said to us. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, a lost art. You know, uh, when you mm-hmm. pra- when you when you research ancient practices on connecting with God. We don't really put those in our life very much anymore. We're so busy. We're always on the go. Um, maybe we think that, you know, maybe we've dismissed them if we've ever heard of them. Like, you know, like the daily rule um, or the rule of life mm-hmm. uh, that, yep. you, that you hear, you know, sometimes in, in monastic type settings that they, they will do where you've got a certain number of prayers during the day. And mm-hmm. you're going to stop whatever you're doing and you're going to focus on, you know, taking a breath, taking a pause, praying in those moments. I mean, we're just going all the time. We're so distracted. We're so busy. And then we wonder why we're not feeling the presence of God. We we wonder why we're not hearing from God. Well, it's, it's not because God's not speaking. It's because we're not taking a moment to breathe, you know? 
That's right. We're not taking a moment to listen. We're not taking a moment to to practice right. this faith that we have. That's right. You know, there's uh, an, an interesting connection between, as she was mentioning, the your breath and the spirit, uh, which even in the language of spirit in the Bible, mm-hmm. pneuma is the Greek. Uh, so in the New Testament, it's always going to reference the the spirit as pneuma, and that also means breath. And the same thing as in the, in the Hebrew is ruach. And mm-hmm. you can't even say that without having this like, kind of uh breath yeah, sort of come out, yeah, of, you, out right? of your yeah exactly it coming from your throat it's like this deep you know throat breathy type thing and so but it also means breath as well and it just, it's the connotation of the breath of god you know that yeah that kind of breathes in and through you as well and so i i just think that space is a huge deal when it comes to us experiencing the presence of god i you know i always say he speaks in the space you know Mm, that's good. Yeah. Um, Aubrey, she mentioned something about this idea of a spiritual director. And I know you and I have had conversations about this, that you have more experience in that realm. We talk mm-hmm. about this sometimes. Uh, you know, when I do a pain to purpose workshop, I tell people you need to have a spiritual director. I'd be really curious for you to unpack what a spiritual director is first. Cause I also think this is a, a lost art in how to posture yourself to hear from God, but it's something that's right. necessary. Right. I I spent four years at the height of my grief with a spiritual director. And um, part of that was because I wasn't sure if I believed God was real anymore, Um, but Mm. I wasn't willing to walk away. And I needed handholds. I honestly just needed someone to hold hold my hand and then give me handholds. Like, how do I follow Jesus when I'm not sure if I even believe in God, you know? And um. So what a spiritual director is, is not a mentor. This is not like a life coach. A spiritual director is someone who sits with you and really together you're practicing God's presence through some of these ancient spiritual practices and you're listening for the Mm. Holy Spirit to Mm. show up. And so it's, you know, the Christian life we know is in community, right? It's done best in community. And so this is a way to practice that as my spiritual director would just reflect the things she saw God doing in me, she would help me listen to God's voice. Mm. And in in the most powerful way, my four years with her uh, deepened my faith at one of the hardest seasons of my life, it brought me healing um, in my pain, wow. and and also just reminded me like God is real and God is so graceful. Wow. So, you know, just quickly, I'll just say one example. So we would gather together and yeah. in COVID we were even gathering over Zoom. Oh wow. Um, but we would spend maybe sometimes up to 30 minutes, 40 minutes in silence just listening, God, are you saying anything? Wow. And I that was hard. I mean, that that was a muscle you have to learn to do to be silent yeah. like that. And then I would say, okay. I think I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say this, but of course you question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is this me or is this the Holy Spirit? And yep. she, and she would often say, yes, the Holy Spirit has been saying that to me too. And I see the way God has been working in your life, X, Y, Z. And just moments like that are so irreplaceable wow. for strengthening your faith because you know that God is with you. So I would highly recommend, especially if you're doubting God, you're in a lot of pain, you're kind of tired of some old, I don't know, things that just aren't working anymore in your spiritual yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Spiritual... Uh, directors are lifesavers. Yeah. I truly believe it. That's so good. That's so good. What spiritual practices do you guys practice at home, Davey? Well, you know, I think that's a, a that's a phenomenal question. Um, we are, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but our word for the year is presence. And mm. so we're trying to lean into the presence of God more. Ironically, <laughs> this is very ironic, we're 
you know, through the first quarter of 2021, we were the most busy I think we've ever been. And I think that there, I don't think there's a coincidence in that. I think it's because, you know, the enemy is very sneaky and that he will even bring opportunities. He will use the opportunities that maybe God is bringing into your life to cause you to, uh, to, to get distracted with busyness especially yes. if your intentionality is to pause and have space and, and <laughs> is to not be busy, right? The, the enemy's going to go, God. wait. <laughs> so we made some very yeah. intentional decisions at the beginning of this year to extract some things from our life so that we wouldn't be distracted. And, and so that we could lean into the presence of God. And then we're mm. right. And right now we're going like, man, we feel very uh, deplete, but full because of the opportunity, the things that God's doing, all that sort of deal, but deplete in terms of hearing the voice of God, you know? Yeah. And so um, at least that's where I feel, you know, Christy may be in a different space right now, but some of the practices then that we're trying to figure out is like, just we're learning what it looks like to just lean into the presence of God and that quiet Mm -hmm. and that stillness, um, you know, waking up for me, it's waking up really early and just sitting in a still house, a quiet house with a cup of coffee, my Bible open and before I even read it, just listening, doing the same thing is just listening. So good. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm reading right now, Brother Lawrence's the, uh, the Practice of the Presence of God. And it is really helpful because it's challenging me to really breathe into and and quiet myself in all of the daily, right? In all of the, the, the just the mundane tasks. You know, he talks yeah. about, uh, he was a cook. So he talks about, you know, while he's cooking at the monastery, what it looks like to, to lean into the presence of God, you know, what does it look like to do that while you're doing laundry? And so that's another thing that we're trying to tap into is like, how do we in the, the daily rigor of our life with three kids really pause to like, God, what are you doing in this moment right now? Like, I want to be present here with you and with others and lean into what you're trying to say. And that's a difficult practice. You have to be very intentional, very intentional with it. Well, we are passionate here at Nothing Is Wasted about helping you to partner with God in these ways, whether it's spiritual practices, mm-hmm. whether it's just um, having your soul refreshed, hearing God again, um, especially when you're walking through a valley. And so we would love to offer you the resources that we have. You can go to nothingiswasted.com and find out all of the resources that we have for you. We have the Pain to Purpose course for churches and individuals. We have certified guides you can hire. You can join a community group. All of that you can find at nothingiswasted.com. Coming up, we've got a few exciting things. Um, one, our birthday episode. We're turning four. Woo-hoo! And this is going to be... Fourth a- birthday! <laughs> this is going to be a Q&A uh, episode. And so um, we're going to... F- we're going to field questions that you have sent in, you know, um, calling our voicemail line and, and leaving these. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a really uh, special one because uh, we're also bringing Christy back onto the podcast. <gasps> the great popular Christy Blackburn demand. back she's gonna, by popular demand. She's going to help us field these questions. So I know you guys got lots of questions for her. Um, and then shortly after that, Aubrey, you're sitting down with Christy and you are interviewing her. You guys are having a conversation about motherhood. And some of the yes, things that we're God's gonna been kick you her. out of the studio, <laughs> and we're gonna talk all the things God's been showing Christy, and and I'm a few years down the road, right? That's we're gonna right. talk about It'll be so motherhood good. from different seasons. It's so appropriate good. because we're gonna follow that up with an entire parenting series. I know that's something that many of you guys have been asking about. We heard from you on our survey that you wanted to hear more about parenting, stories mm-hmm. of parenting, practical advice on how to parent. We're all in the throes of parenting little ones or teenagers, and so we got a lot of questions. Yep. 
Um, so definitely be leaning in as all that stuff comes out, comes down the pike. We want to thank sleeping at last for providing all the music for the nothing is wasted podcast. You can download or stream any of his music where, wherever you can download and stream music, make sure you do that. And then follow us on Instagram and nothing is wasted ministries. Um, I'm at Davey Blackburn and Aubrey is at Obsamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. Next week, we have a fabulous guest, Rob Hiller. That's Rob right. Rob is the CEO of Performance Solutions, and he has a powerful story Oof. of how God met him in a dark season. Man. So let's go ahead and listen to a clip of your conversation with Rob Hiller. When I went to the athletic club, I was going to do planks. Mm. Everyone knows what they are. Yep. And so uh, I, I go and I'm starting to do planks. And I got pains like I couldn't believe. Mm. So I was bright enough to say, I think I should go to the doctor right away. So I did. And uh, they did a bunch of tests over at Fairview. And pretty soon the doctor, uh, you know, with a CAT scan and everything, came back and said, you have some cancer. But we think that there's more. Mm. So uh, I went to Mayo Clinic, which is about an hour and a half away. Yeah. And after an hour and a half driving, going there, they they basically did about two weeks of tests. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, not all the day right. time, but, right. you know, it took that long. And then they, uh, we sat down with Dr. Preek, uh which was amazing. And he is their head hematologist. And he said, um, Rob and you know, Pam was next to me. He said, you, you have cancer, uh, but you don't have one cancer. He said, uh, and you don't have two cancers. Uh, you have three. <laughs> 